many of you guys are excited about this message today? You know, your expectation has a lot to do with it, because if, you, if, you, if you're looking for good, then you're going you're gonna to find it. If you're looking for bad, you'll probably find that too. So, uh, so have, have a good outlook, amen? It'll, it'll, it really will shape the direction of your life, and, and that's what we're talking about here today. But before I go any further, I want to I encourage us as a church to support the ministerial alliance that was very instrumental in Mark Tosher over at uh, Film Alley told me that the, um, the movie Unplanned was, was brought here because the Ministerial Alliance pushed and, and really made a concerted effort to get it here. If you haven't had an opportunity to see the movie, I haven't seen it, I'm going to go and, and see it. It's, uh, it. It will be here in Bastrop till at least Thursday, Thursday morning. So we have some time. If you haven't seen it, it's a great expression it's a great expression of the redemptive, miracle-working power of Christ, of Jesus, to change, to change hearts, to redeem. You know what redeem means? To buy back, to cleanse, to make new, to put back together. And you might be saying, Pastor, what, what are you talking about? It, it deals with the subject of abortion. And, and I don't know where you've been or what, what, your, what your experience is with that. But I will tell you this, Christ makes things new, and, and he makes things new, and, and that's the message we need, to, we need to be reminded of all the time, regardless of what we've been and what we've done and, or, or, or what we've thought. Christ makes all the difference, and he sets us free, he forgives, he reestablishes, and, and, and he just just does that. So if you would, go see the movie. I keep hearing it's an amazing movie. I'm going to go see it myself. And, and, and uh, we need to support good movies. Here we go. You ready? We've been talking about direction for the last several weeks. And we've talked about encouragement. We've talked about influence. And someone said to me, Pastor, I've been trying to be an influence. I've been trying to be an encouragement. But first, I've got to get encouraged. I've got to get my, my life kind of headed in the right direction so I can be a good influence. I said, man, that's a great idea. What a concept, right? Yeah, yeah, you can't give what you don't have. But let me give you some, some, some just some, uh, some helpful hints that have helped me throughout my life. You know, I heard, uh, actually it was John Maxwell, I heard him speak and, and he said, if you want to be an influencer, you need to treat people and be a blessing to their lives. You gotta, you gotta encourage them. So if you wanna be an encourager, the, one of the best things you can do is practice the 30 second rule. When you run into someone, it could be a, a friend, it can be an acquaintance, it could be an uh, in-laws, it could be whoever it is, you run into them for 30 seconds. In the first 30 seconds, let it be about them and encourage them. Say something positive. So I ran into Dr. Phil and I noticed Dr. Phil in first service, he was, he was in a great mood, but man, he looks thin. He's lost a lot. I go, man, you look amazing, dude. You look great. He lit up. He goes, it's intermittent fasting. And he goes, you should try. I go, yeah, I should. <laughs> Problem is I can't get past the, <laughs> like lunchtime. Um, but you know, the 30 second rule is, is an important rule. And you go, you say, what else? What else? Okay, look. Another rule is the, is the number 10 rule. You should see everyone as a 10. Like when you see someone, you should view them like they're a 10. I had someone, when I preached this one time, they said, Pastor, what happens if my boss 
man, I just see him as a two. <laughs> and I said, you got to change that mindset. You got to give him 10 points, man. Give him 10 points. He said, I've already given him 20. <laughs> he was at negative, you know, 18 or something. And, uh, and, and I challenged him to do it anyway. And, and, and he did. And he said, in six weeks, he and his boss's relationship completely changed. And you know what's interesting? His boss was unaware of what was happening and he didn't do anything to change. It was on our side that changed. And you know, when we change our side, the other side changes as well. So treat each other this way. Now, we talked about direction last week and we talked about the managed guided course of our life. The managed guided course of our life. And we said, if we're going to have a managed guided, guided course, if we're going to have a good direction, then we need to have purpose. And then from purpose, we said, to have a good, strong purpose, we need to have perspective. Perspective. And for some of us, it means a paradigm shift, right? I won't re-preach it, but perspective leads us to setting good priorities. And if you really think about your priorities, it really will boil down to people. It boils down to people. Stuff doesn't matter as much as people. Am I right? No one at the, end of our li- at the end of their lives is going to say, man, I should have gathered more stuff. Man, I should have been, I spent more time, you know, buying more stuff, buying more toys. They never say that. What they say is, I should have spent more time with people. I should have established better relationships. I hope I've done enough. That's what's most important And that's where the power is at. Power. Power is in our purpose, our perspective, our priorities, people. And and, you know, as Christians, we're called to walk in power. God gives us power. Do you know that? But this is the thing. If you're a Christian, you cannot walk in power and be out of authority. Because authority and power go hand in hand when you're talking about God. When you're talking about God, everything is done according to order. Isn't that a, a, a New Testament concept? The New Testament says that God is a God of order. He's a God of order. Who's the, who's the guy that represents chaos and, uh, and lawlessness and rebellion? That's the enemy. The enemy specifically represents lawlessness. What is lawlessness? I don't need authority. I can live in rebellion. And so he would have you to believe that you can have power without the badge. You can walk around with a gun and not be licensed. That's not the way God works. If you're going to have the power, you've got to have the authority to go with it. Amen? Now, some of you go, I don't know if I like that. Well, it's because we've been raised to, to be mavericks. But God's saying, hey, you can be an individual. You don't have to be, you don't have to be in uniformity, but you've got to be in harmony. And the way you're in harmony is you operate under the authority of Almighty God. And this is the beauty about authority. You cannot understand authority if you don't know how to submit. See, because authority is not just about calling shots. I'm a shot caller. No, that's not what authority is about. Authority is about knowing how to submit. And once you know how to submit, then you also know how to lead. Because they go hand in hand. Do you remember the story of the centurion when he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, would you heal my servant? My servant is very ill and I know that you are a man of great what? Power. Great power. 
He says, would you heal my servant? Jesus said, let us go. He said, no, Lord, I cannot trouble you to come and heal my servant by coming. Just say the word and it shall be done. And Jesus goes, whoa, whoa, how did you grasp this concept? And this is what the centurion said. He said, I understand that wherever there's power, there's authority. And this is what I understand about authority. I tell my guys go and they go. I tell them come, they come. They do what I tell them to do. That's my power, but it's in my authority. And my authority is rooted in my submission to Caesar. Oh, come on now. I'm trying to help somebody right here if you let me. I'm trying to help you if you let me. See, you can walk in power, but you've got to walk in God's authority. Without walking in God's authority, there is no power. Keep that because it'll come back at the very end of the message. Now stay with me on this. Watch this. The book of Acts talks about the power of Almighty God. Come on, how many of us would love more power in our lives? You know, I'm talking to my guys. How many of our guys want a little bit more power, horsepower? You know, we're always doing anything we can to increase our horsepower, to say, you know what, if my truck could just go faster, if my car could just go faster, if I could just have more... Yeah, you know, and it's all about power. How many of us want some more spiritual power? See, some of us are on the life super highway on a 10 speed. <laughs> on a 10 speed. You need to upgrade. You need to upgrade, and, and, and you, can't get, you can't get far in this life riding a spiritual 10 speed. That means going in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says here in the book of Acts chapter 8 verse, I mean, chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you power in order to accomplish a good work for me. Do you know that the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves so that no one can stand before me and brag of what they did, but instead it is the gift of God, and you are God's masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared beforehand that you might do, that you might walk in it. The only way you can walk in it is to walk in submission to him, operate in his authority and in his power, that you might start accomplishing what he has for you. What does he have for us? For us to share the message of his love. You start in Jerusalem. Where's, what's your Jerusalem? Where's your circle of influence? Where has God planted you? You go, okay, well, well, once I get that, no, no, no. Simultaneously, go to Judea. That means spread your wings to beyond your circle of influence. Start looking for those that God is going to send you to or bring to you. Then you go to Samaria. Those are the folks that aren't like you, that maybe you don't like very much, that, that maybe you know, you've not always thought are on your level. That's what the, the Jews didn't think the Samaritans were on their level. You might say, well, they're not like me. You know, those are, uh, that, who would that be for Texas? Someone in first service said Louisiana. I said, come on, you threw Louisiana under the bus. Maybe it's Oklahoma. Maybe it's the Californias that are coming in. You know, I don't know. I don't know. What I am saying is this. Sometimes we think that the only people that deserve Jesus are people like us. Can I tell you that God is going to take you to people that aren't like you? He's going to give you influence and power to influence them. 
to love on them, to share the good news. You go, well, well what, what's the end of the earth? The ends of the earth is just that, the ends of the earth. Now, let's keep thinking about this power. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, come on now, and of love and of a sound mind or self-discipline. So God has given us power. But I want you to take, take a moment and read this with me real closely. God has given us the spirit of power. Not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. How? It's a gift. We'll talk about that in a second, but that gift is literally the charisma that is used throughout the New Testament to signify when you get the Holy Spirit come to live within you is the day that you are saved, and on that day, he gives you a gift. Not only his presence, not only his power, but the ability to supernaturally do things that only you can do for the sake of expanding the kingdom. You go, oh my goodness, I've got something special? Absolutely you do. Stay with me on this. We're going to keep going. Now, what is Paul up to? We're going to spend a lot of time in the book of 2 Timothy. Now, I need you to understand something about 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy was written when Paul was in prison. And he was imprisoned under the emperor Nero. Now, when Nero was in, was in charge, he started heightening persecution. So Paul is facing some of the toughest persecution he's ever faced. And not only that, but the church is facing incredible persecution, meaning that the more faithful you are, the more certain that it would probably cost you, cost you your life. And so Paul is writing to Timothy near the end of his, of his, uh, of his spiritual walk. He knows this will probably cost me my life. I'm probably not going to leave prison. I'm going to have to leave the ministry in Timmy's hands. And so he tells Timmy, he says, Tim, I need you to give you some last orders, some standing orders, because I'm not going to be here much longer. It's time for you to graduate. It's time for you to start being the mentor and not the mentee. It's time for you to start being the discipler. It's time for you to take charge and quit being a young man and start being a full grown man. It's time for you to pick up the baton, to grab the baton and move, move it forward. Now watch what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is towards the end of the book. He says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. What does that mean? It means if this is the altar of God, he's saying, I am being poured out as an offering for the Lord. You know what I love about that symbolism? To being poured out means that to the very last drop. Not only being poured out, but, but I love the symbolism because when you offered something to God, it wasn't considered offered until your hand is pulled off of it. And God is, and what Paul is saying with me, I'm not, I'm not offering myself like that. I'm offering myself like this to where when it poured out, my hands are off of it. I'm giving all of my life to God. So watch this, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved and longed to see our Lord return. That means we're going to get something of immeasurable worth. Come on. How many of us get excited about this? I mean, truly get excited and say, you know what? The, the rewards that this earth has to offer us are like cheap tinsel compared to God's. This is so temporal. This stuff that they give me here will rust, will corrode, thieves will steal, the market goes down, all kinds of things can go wrong, but God's reward is eternal. It will not tarnish. It has lasting power. It has lasting power. So so he's telling Tim this. Now, now we're going to go to chapter 2. So we've been all over 2 Timothy. Now we're going to chapter 2. And he's telling Timothy this. He's saying, Tim, this is important. I want to remind you. He's saying, stir up the flame. Fan the flame. Stoke the fire. Don't neglect and let it go out. Could you get the sense that Paul has seen people in Christianity fade? Come on, anyone seen that? He has seen people on fire one moment only to let it go. Can I tell you something? Paul is telling Timothy, that responsibility is yours. You have to be intentional about your faith. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. You have to be intentional about your faith. It's not the pastor's responsibility to to fan your flame. It's not your disciple maker's responsibility to fan your flame. It's not your spouse's responsibility to fan your flame. It's not your parents' responsibility. It's not your aunt or your uncle's responsibility. It is your responsibility to fan the flame, to stoke the fire, to kindle it, to keep it going. Amen? Because at the end of the day, this is the purpose. The purpose is found in 2 Timothy 2.2. Watch this. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. This is what Paul is saying. It was handed off to me. I've run the race. I'm handing it off to you. You grab the baton. You run your race. Hand it off to the next guy. He runs his race. He hands it down. And right now, we are running a race for Jesus Christ. We are. We are. Do you know the most important part of a relay is what? The handoff. One of the greatest relay teams of all times was in the 80s. They were at the Olympics, and they kept fumbling their handoffs. Many of these track stars don't train like the Soviet Union and the East Germans did, where they trained together every day. Our team would come together only right before the big meets. Most of the time, they trained separately. And so they were having a lot of difficulty with the handoff. See, some of us have difficulty handing off. And so what happens is we have to start off at the same place again, just learning how to walk. What if God had something more? What if God wanted us to hand off a double portion of blessing? 
I don't want you, son, to hit the same potholes I hit on the road of life. I don't want you to start where I started, son. I want you to start where I'm leaving off, and I'm going to give you a double portion. See, Elijah, when he blessed Elisha, he gave him a double portion. And when he gave him a double portion of his blessing, Elisha went on to do double the miracles Elijah did. Did you know that? He didn't have to start off in his faith from the very beginning. Elijah Elijah said, I'm going to bless you, Elisha, so that you can go further than I did. I'm handing something off to you. We call that in the Christian world, leaving a legacy. Do you know what a legacy is? When I preached that at my, at my grandfather's funeral, I realized my grandfather's not rich. He was poor. He left me nothing of value in this world since. He didn't leave me an heirloom. He didn't leave me gold or stocks or bonds or any of those things. You know what he left me? He left me something of immeasurable worth, and that is the principles of God's word. That's what he left me. What if we were to leave our children Something of a measurable worth like faith and love and understanding how to walk with God so that they're not starting from. But they're building on our faith. This is what Paul's talking about here. I want you to just, I just want to highlight how important the hands-off really is. I'm going to have you watch this relay. United States knew who they Best would count in, on in the 4x100 relay final, but such was not the case in the earlier heats. We thought some people were supposed to be out at the track to warm up, and uh, evidently there was some confusion about who should be where and when. So you people just don't know how lucky we were to get that stick around today, I'm telling you. Along with the 100-meter gold and silver medalists, the U.S. quartet included Alice Brown and Sheila Eccles. Alice Brown to Sheila Eccles, and you see here, then to Flo Joe, Florence Griffith Joyner, and then handing off to Evelyn Ashford, who will anchor. Here we go. They're in the block. Lane two is open, open, Jamaica has scratched. Ah! Alice Brown closing the stagger on Bulgaria. She is burning up the turn. Here's the pass. It's a good one. There's one down, two to go. Much better than in the semifinal. This is the critical pass for the U.S. Will Flojo start out fast enough? Excellent. But they're behind at this point. That's East Germany. To Evelyn. Marlies Gurr is anchoring, and here come the Soviets. East Germany. Here comes Evelyn Ashford. She does it. 41.97. Oh, and she wipes. Her brow, she's glad that's over. Alice Brown gets out very well. In fact, I think she had the fastest first leg, so she passed off to Sheila Eccles very, very well. This was a good pass. Out in boom. If that was a critical pass, now Sheila can run and really concentrate on Florence taking off. And Florence, much improved pass between Sheila Eccles and Florence here, got the stick and just took off. But look at the East Germans. 
Florence was behind, and the U.S. was going to be behind with the, with the handoff. Evelyn Ashford is going, oh, please, don't let me be too far behind. That and for Evelyn, the anchor of her life. That pass was not a work of art, but that was a wonderful straightaway. And then this pass, Florence Griffith Joyner had regained some of what was lost. Good pass. That was a very good pass. Evelyn is a good relay runner. She just held back her hand, didn't move it, waited for the baton to be put in you her You see hand, how much emphasis they put on the pass? It. She didn't even try to move it around. You get the sense Paul is saying, it's about passing it forward. It's not enough for me to run the race. You've got to run it too. We're passing this thing along. And some of us, can I just be honest with you? I'm in, I'm here, I'm in here with you. This is me too. When I hear Paul writing, he kind of makes me nervous. Paul kind of freaks us out a little bit. Come on, let's just be honest. Because Paul is so focused on heaven. He's too focused for, for us. Because we're like, Paul, you keep talking about like, like judgment. And you keep talking about like, like seeing God. And you keep talking about all these things. And, and I kind of like, like earth. You know, and, and man, you're, you're too intense for me, Paul. But can you imagine? Maybe that's why he had power. Because he was walking in the authority of God. He had his perspective right. He had his priorities right. He knew it was about the people. He knew it was about his mission and his purpose. And that's where the power comes from. I need, I need us to see this. I need us to see this. Listen to what... To what Paul charges Timothy with. He charges Timothy, listen to this. He says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, I charge you therefore before God and Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his coming. See, there he, Paul is again. I mean, he's just intense. He's just like, he doesn't give you any room to relax. Do you get the sense that Paul is saying you don't relax in a race? Life is short. Let, let's, let's live it with purpose. Come on, come on, come on, Christians. Come on, Christians. Listen to what he says. I, I want you to really, he says, preach the word. So this is in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 again. I'm going to start connecting dots for you. Here we go. He says you need to be able to pass it on. The time of my departure is at hand. I'm about to leave this place. I've run the good race. I've done my part. I was the first leg, right? I handed it off to you. Now you go and hand it off to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. And then this is what he says. He says, I need you to fan the flame. You're responsible for your faith. Fan it. Stoke it. Get the fire going. Do not neglect that. Don't neglect it. And this is, and this is how you fan your flame. This is how you take that amazing gift that God has given you, Tim, and you use it. Watch this. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will no longer endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because of their itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their eyes away from the truth 
and turn aside to fables and to things that they want to hear to make themselves feel better. Can you sense that Paul was saying, look, I know it's tough. I know Nero is killing Christians. I know you may want to shrink back. I know you may want to quiet the fire down. I know. And he's telling us too. He's saying, Christians, now's the time to get that fire going. I need you to understand why he used the word fire. Because he was trying to have Tim understand that fire was so essential in ancient times. How many of us have ever gone and tried to primitive camp? Like gone out there? How many of you know that? I watch this show called SOS. It's on the Weather Channel. You guys might be like, man, you're, you're like boring, dude. Weather Channel? Don't judge me. My children love it too. At least it's not anything bad. And so this guy, he SOS, he... I don't even know the guy's name, but he shows different scenarios where people find themselves stranded through, 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 some, through some happenstance and they find themselves fighting for their lives. And sometimes it's because they're watching their GPS and their GPS says, turn here and they turn there and it's an old logging trail or an old logging road and it's, it's abandoned half the year. And so they find themselves out in the middle of nowhere with no one coming and now they don't know what to do. And this city boy figured that ain't going to happen to me. I'm going to go ahead and get, how many of us are city boys? Come on, be honest. So he said, the best thing you can do is have yourself a survival pack. So I got me a survival pack and I started packing it full of goodies. Got some TP. Oh, y'all are laughing at me. I have some paracord. I have another paracord with a compass. I have another compass. I have a fishing. I, I can fish for my food if I need to. I got flashlights. I have water. This straw, 50,000 gallons right here, straight in the stream. I don't care how bad the pond is. I got you taken care of. But one of the most important things that you can do, oh, here's my Leatherman. Where, where is that? Here it is. I have magnesium. How many of you know fire is important? Some of y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, you're so silly. You ain't going to survive even if you try can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I may not be that good in the physical, but at least I'm ready spiritually. Can I tell you something else? I don't have to survive. I know where I'm going. If you're not so sure, you better get ready because you need to be here until you get it right. You see what I'm saying? I don't have to be here. I choose to be here for my kids, but I know where I'm going. Understand what Paul said when he said, for your sake, I want to stick around, but really I want to go home. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain, but I got more to do, so I'll stick around. So I packed some stuff, and this is what I packed. I, I got me, this is my pride and joy right here. Where is it at? Somebody stole it. No, I'm just kidding. We don't steal at Foundation, maybe that other church. <laughs> I'm clowning now, but this is a Benchmade knife. Got it in Colorado. This knife is awesome. And I was using it and practicing how to make a fire because a fire is important. So I started, whoo. Yeah, I thought so too until I actually, anyone of y'all tried to start a fire like this? This is tough. It wouldn't start. Someone said, you had the wrong kindling. So I went and got some diesel and took care of it. And, and that started up real quick, but I have some work to do. Come on, can I tell you, some of you have
got some work to do. It don't mean nothing if you buy the Bible, have the nice little case, and put it in your trunk, but you don't know how to use it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You can't hand it off unless you know how to use it. Unless you know how to apply it. That's what we're talking about here. The wisdom of God's word for your children, the next generation. Man, I got all kinds of stuff laying out. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Do you see what Paul is saying to Tim here? He's saying, come on, Tim. Come on. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift with God. The gift which God, the gift of God, excuse me which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Did you know that when you walk in authority and you are under authority, that authority can lay hands on you and pray over you? That's what the Bible says when two or three come together and agree. When you come and you pray with people who are walking in God's authority, they can pray a blessing over you. Some of us are weak in our faith. Maybe you need to find a stronger brother and say, I want to be discipled and I want you to lay hands on me and pray an increase of faith. Pray a stirring up of my gift. Pray that I may understand. Now I'm running out of time, big time, but I need us to understand something. Paul told Timothy this. He said, you have a gift that took place the day you accepted Jesus Christ. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you have a gift. And the way you stir it up is you start using it. He told him, you're a preacher, preach. You're a leader, lead. Some of us have a gift and we haven't been using it. Why? Some of us are Christians and we haven't discipled the soul. Why? Who are you handing off to? I'm not even in the race. Why? Why? Who are you laying hands on? Then I can tell you this, you're not stirring up your gift. You're not, you're not part of what Paul is saying. And there is a lack of power in your life. I know it full well. Why? Because you're not walking in the authority of God. You're walking in your own authority. You're living your own life for your purposes. Some of you are going, man, I didn't come to church to get beat up. I'm not beating you up. I'm trying to help you if you let me. I'm trying to help you. Get in the most, this is the most epic thing in all of human history. This. The gospel that's spreading and someday the king of glory is going to return. That's what Paul keeps saying. That's what he keeps saying. So watch this. Let's talk about some things. For God did not give us. There's a couple things he did not give us. What didn't he give us? He didn't give us the spirit of timidity and he didn't give us the spirit of fear. So if you're struggling, I need you to search your heart right now. If you're struggling with fear and being timid, then you, you know that you're not operating in God's power. Because that's the opposite of what God gives. God gives the spirit of power, love, sound mind, discipline, a well-ordered mind. Fear comes from three places, the enemy, ourselves, and the worldly system. And this is how it works. Fear and insecurity are hand in hand. Insecurity comes from our limits. When we feel limited, we can't help but feel fear. When you tap into God's limitless power, then you can't help but feel confident. 
Because you know, my dad has all the money, my dad has all the health, my dad has all the provision, he can protect me, there's no one bigger than him, so if God be for me, who can be against me? You know, greater is he who is within me than he who's in the world. I know the circumstance looks bleak, I know the horizon looks dark, I know there's a big giant ahead of me, I know there's a huge obstacle, but I know this, I know this for a fact, that God is able to work all things, come on now, for my good, for my good. He's able to work it out. Why? Because I'm called according to his purpose. That's what the Bible says. God will work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm walking with you, Lord. I'm confident that this is going to be taken care of. That's when you can start connecting with Paul's writings when he said this. He said, he said, in all circumstances, be thankful, be joyful in any circumstance, in any situation, regardless of what's happening, because you know that God is in control. But, but, but that's that Paul dude again. And, and he's too hardcore for me. No, no, stay with me on this. Stay with me. We're almost done. He didn't give us fear. Listen to what fear means. In the Greek, it literally means and that's the word, delilia, delilia. It's used only in the New Testament, and it means cowardice, timid, fearful, opposite of daring and bold. And can I tell you where we're headed? We're going to need to be bold. They're going to try to take your life in very short, in, in a very, in, in, I would say in the last, in the next five to ten years, if you're a strong Christian, you will have your life threatened. You say, what? No, no, I had to explain it in first service. You're going to have your livelihood threatened. If you own your own business, there will be certain things you will not be able to do. Certain convictions you will not be able to hold. They're already telling bakers what to bake, florists what to do, or trying to. You say, but pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe they should. Listen, if that's, your bake, if that's your bakery, you do what you feel. Let the man do what he feels. But those are his Christian convictions that are under fire right now. And you know what I find interesting? That most Christians aren't even coming to his defense. You say, well, what does that have to do with me? Eventually, it'll come for you. And, and so what I'm saying is, you have to get in the race and understand that this world is changing. You can see it on the horizon. I said it in a service. I said, we swung to the right with President Trump, and President Trump has done a lot of, of, of things that you may not agree with, but um, conservative values, especially when it comes to freedom of speech and, and, and freedom of religion, are being respected under his, his leadership. But I want you to see on the other side what's taking place. Are they coming closer to the middle, or is it going further to the left? So when this thing swings back around, look out. I... I, I I called it before. And because I already know the end, the Bible tells me we're not going closer to that. We're going that way. But we're supposed to be going against the grain. That's what we're called to do. So let me, let me finish here and let's talk about what he gave us. What he gave us was power, 
love, and sound mind. In the Greek, the word power is dunamis. Dunamis means a great force, but not a raw, unbridled force. It's an ability, a might, or a strength that is focused like a gun. That force is focused. You can point it, you can direct it, you can do it. But you've got to walk under the what? The authority of Almighty God. Now listen to what the Great Commission says. The Great Commission says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and you will be my witnesses. That means you will use that power to make a difference in the world. You'll start in your circle of influence. You'll go to the ends of the earth. Can I read or can I share with you the Great Commission from the book of Matthew? In the book of Matthew, the Great Commission is chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now listen to the way, how, how it's stated. In the book of Matthew, it says this. It says, all authority in heaven and earth are mine. And therefore, I give it to you to go ye and make disciples of all nations. Teach them everything I have taught you. Do you see what's happening? He's saying, grab the baton, take off running. You have the authority to run the race and pass it on. Make disciples of everyone. Keep running, keep going, keep passing it on. But do it under my authority. And when you do it under the authority of God, then the power comes. Some of us are not walking in the authority of God. We're not even running the race of God. We're running our race and we're wondering why we don't have power. This is why you don't have power. If you're not discipling, I don't know if you'll have power. If you're not walking out your giftings, I don't know if you'll have power. If you're not stirring up your gift by helping somebody else, I don't know if you'll have power. But I do know this. I do know this. That the Bible tells me clearly in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 17, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open. That's where we get that little song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. So watch. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you would know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. This is why I'm preaching with this with so much passion because I'm tired of the church of Jesus Christ living with no power. Not being able to pray a blessing over their children and expect that, 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 that blessing to, to happen. Yeah. I've been practicing this for a while. Why do you think I praise things specifically over my children? She will bless you with her voice, Lord. She will be a strong woman of faith. She will teach your truth. She will why? Because I have the authority under God as her father to lay hands on her and claim what he has already given me. The same power that lives in me lives, that did raise Christ from the dead lives in me. And I have the authority to do that. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth are, are mine. Now I give it to you. Go and do what I've called you to do. Watch this. In the book of Acts, is where you found and you will receive power. Okay, that's, that's the Great Commission from Luke's perspective. Matthew gives you the authority component. Luke gives you the power component. Okay? And in the book of Luke, I mean, in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 3, you see this power manifested. Peter and John are walking to the temple. There's a man begging for food. They say, look at us. He looks at them expecting they're going to give him something. And they do this. They say, silver or gold, I have nothing. 
But what I do have, I give in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Arise and walk. Stay with me on this. Keith, they didn't have gold or silver, but what did they have? They had power. Why? Because they were disciples of Christ. They were walking in his authority. They were doing what he asked them to do. And they were stirring up the gift, keeping the fire going. And they had every right to heal him right there on the spot. Notice what they did not do. They did not say, well, hold on. I'm going to go pray to Jesus. Jesus, would you, would you heal this guy? That's like calling Blue Bonnet up and saying, saying, hey, Blue Bonnet, can you come and flip my light switch on? And Blue Bonnet's saying, you have power. Bob, you have power. Flip the light switch yourself. Can I tell you, Christians, the same power, come on now, that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. Lives in you so that you can pray healing over your children, so that you can pray a blessing over your marriage, so that you can break the curse of the enemy, so that you can do like Samson and shake and the 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 curses and the things that the enemy is trying to establish would fall off of you if you would only understand that you walk in the power and anointing of Almighty God. Of Almighty God. And the worship team, I'm going to ask them to come forward. This is where we finish. What's been taking place in your life? Maybe the enemy's been using shame and guilt. You know, that's a one-two punch that I've seen the enemy use in a lot of people's lives. This is how he uses shame and guilt. Guilt is saying you did something bad. Shame is saying you are bad. And he puts that on you. But what does God say? I wear a little verse on my on my necklace. It's John 3, 16. Come on, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Come on, keep going with me. For I did not come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world and to give myself for her. To give myself for you. See, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the Lord is faithful and just to forgive if only we should ask. I can go on and on and on. He separates your sin like the east is from the west. He remembers it no longer. He plunges it in the deepest sea and he who is set free will forever be free. If you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. So when the enemy comes to speak over you, you walk in the power of the living God. You walk according to his promises. You have your focus on his word. You can claim it over your life. But if you're walking for yourself, then you're not going to have the power to get him off of you. Oh, this is starting to come to me. This is starting to come to me huge. I'm, I'm walking in a new anointing. And I'll tell you why. Because for so long, I was saying, oh Lord, oh Lord, would you please, please God. And I would pray out of weakness for my children. I don't do that anymore. I'm a disciple maker. If I had something to do with your discipleship, raise your hand. I've been discipling people in every single, single year of my ministry. 
So Jesus says, all authority I give to you, and you will receive power when you do what I've asked you to do. I'm running the race. Now I'm praying with authority. I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, bless my children like something fierce, God. Protect my home. The reason I'm saying this is because I don't, I don't want you to leave week after week after week and not know what God has provided for you. So he says, silver, gold, I have none, but what I do have is the power to heal you. In the name of Jesus, arise and walk. All right, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm nine minutes over, and I wish I had time to pray for you. But the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. Pray for yourself. Come on, let's I love you. Let this be the prayer of your heart. The same power.